0: Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Education has been defined as the science or art of teaching. It's this process of imparting knowledge to another. Now, of course, there are varying opinions on School systems and education boards and all of the rest and what are the best methods for teaching and all of those things. But I think we can all agree that education is critically important. Where the conversation gets really interesting, though, is when we try to decide which subject is most important. Some would herald math and science, got to have those, While others may sit on the sidelines and stand up and declare, no, reading, reading is most important, because without reading, how will you understand the other subjects? While others would still advocate for history or geography or finance or art or trade skills. And the battle rages on. But my question is, what about God and the Bible? Who is standing up and declaring the importance of a good theological education. Where does that fall on our list of important subjects to learn or to teach? If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Psalm 78. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7 today. The book of Psalms is very close to the middle of your Bible. If you hit Proverbs, go to the left. You'll find Psalm 78. Psalm 78. As we look at these verses, we're going to see Asaph, who's the writer of this psalm, he exhorts the entire nation of Israel to educate, to teach the coming generation, to let them know who is God, what has he done, why does it matter? And so my goal for us today, as we open the Word, is that we would realize, that we would see and realize that every single one of us has a responsibility to teach the next generation. Every single one of us. So let's read Psalm 78, 1-7 to together. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but... Tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments." So as we walk through these verses, I want to highlight three reasons, three reasons why we should invest in telling the next generation about God. The first reason is that God has done wonderful works. God has done wonderful works. In verse 1, Asaph uses typical Hebrew parallelism to call attention to his words. He says, give ear, O my people, incline your ears. He's saying the same thing twice for emphasis. He's saying, listen up, right? This is important. Pay attention, To what's coming. And in verse 3 he says, I'm going to say things, things that we have heard and known. Our fathers have told them to us. This is a reminder, Israel. This is a reminder, people of God. It's not new information. I'm calling you to remember that our God is awesome. And he's done wonderful things. He's saying, remember our story. Right? This is a song that's meant to be sung to declare the story of God. Remember. Remember, he's saying. Remember how we became the people of God. Remember his wonderful works. Remember that we were slaves in Egypt, chained. Remember the glorious deliverance and and Mount Sinai and and the Ten Commandments and the wandering in the wilderness, but then finally coming into our land. And here we are at the time of Asaph. King David is ruling. Look at how great it is now. Look at where we've come from. And in verse 4, he says, we will not hide them. We will not hide them from their children. You see, one of the worst things that we can do parents, guardians, teachers, people in general, is hide the truth of God from children. It's one of the worst things we could ever do. He says, we will not hide them. We're going to expose the children to the truth early and often, and we're to do the same thing. He says, tell the story. Tell the story of God. Declare his glorious deeds. Declare his wonderful works. They're worth telling Our God has done amazing things. Israel had a story to tell their children, and so do we. We've been grafted in to the people of God, and we've joined this grand story of God. And if you think, what is the story of God? What do I tell these children? Just back it up right from the very beginning. Think about the wonderful works of God, speaking the universe into existence, creating this planet that we live on. And even though Adam and Eve rebelled, And then the fall of man. Think about the wonderful works of God to have the promise of redemption. And think about Noah and the flood. Think about Abraham and the promise of a blessing for all people. Yes, then there was captivity in Egypt, but as we talked about, the ten plagues, the, the miraculous deliverance coming out from that and seeing, gathering around Mount Sinai and Moses going up and coming down with these tablets with the law. Think about going into the land and the walls of Jericho coming down. You think about Gideon's army. You think about Elijah and the false prophets of Baal. You think about the discipline of the Lord for Israel going into exile, but then his work to bring them back to their land. If that's not good enough for you, think about the incarnation of the Son of God, Jesus Christ being born of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, coming to live on Earth and him growing up and doing miracle after miracle, feeding five thousand people, raising Lazarus from the dead, healing the man born blind, and then offering himself up to be crucified for our forgiveness, but then raising to life in glory, and then ascending back to the father 's hand, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descending on all believers, and the explosion of Christianity all over the world. And then you bring it down to your own salvation, the time where you first heard the gospel, where you understood and responded in faith in Jesus Christ, how your life has been changed now from darkness to the light. Though you were dead, now you are alive. You have your own story to tell in the grand, big story of God. And think about this church What a story to tell. starts as a small Bible study in a house and now there's over 200 people here meeting week after week. And think about the countless answered prayers that God has done and is doing as we seek to make disciples and bring life change in the Windsor-Essex area. Think about these things and declare them. He says, don't hide it. Don't hide it. Tell the children what God has done. Tell the next generation. He's done wonderful things worth talking about. Our God is amazing. Amen? Amen? Amen. There's so much more we could talk about for that. But why else should we teach the coming generation? Why else should we teach? Simply put, because God has clearly commanded us. God has given a clear command for us to teach. Listen to verse 5 and 6. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. This harkens back again to Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments, giving the laws. There's your testimony. Here you go, Israel. I've given a law for you to be a people. Exodus 19 and 20. He formed The people formed the laws, gave it to them. But when did God clearly command the people to teach their children these things? When did that happen? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting at verse 4. You may be familiar with this passage. It says... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's familiar to us, but then he continues. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit In your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He says, teach them diligently to your children. To teach anything diligently requires effort, planning, strategy, and a focus to do it. It's not going to just happen whatever the subject is. So the question that we ask ourselves this morning is, are we obeying this command? Are we diligently teaching the next generation the ways of God? Are we imparting the knowledge of God to our children, our grandchildren, nephews, nieces, whatever it is? What do they know about God? What do they know about Jesus in the Bible? You see, we're... Pretty diligent at teaching lots of other things, if we're honest. You don't have to look very far to find stories of of kids who grow up and become these all-star athletes or famous musicians or dancers or whatever it is. And you see and you talk to the parents and maybe they do a little uh, documentary about it and how much energy and money and time the parents put in to to help them on the way and just over and over again teaching them in that. And that one thing becomes that kid's life until they grow up and they become the best. They're known for that. Now please hear me on this, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-sports or anti-music lessons or dance or anything like that. I'm all for those things, that's okay. But I think we need to take a little bit of a step back and ask ourselves, in all of that, what matters most? What matters most? That my kid becomes all-star athlete or all-star musician or that he knows and loves Jesus Christ? What matters most? most. And parents in the room might, might hear this and might think, oh, okay, yeah, we, we, we need to teach our children, but, but how? And I'm not going to give a whole exhaustive list of all the how-tos this morning, but I think it's really interesting in Deuteronomy 6, it says, you talk about him in your house when you're sitting, when you're going about the way, when you're rising, when you're sleeping. He's saying, just talk about God all the time. Sure, there may be um, perhaps a formal like family devotion time that you do where you read something together and talk about it. But you're saying just bring God into the conversation with whatever you're doing. You're walking the dog, you're driving them to that sport thing or whatever it is. Just talk about the Lord. So one example, just the other night there was a thunderstorm. Our kids love thunderstorms because there weren't a lot in BC and they're still thrilled by it. And they're just sitting there on the couch looking, there's lightning and hearing the thunder, watching the rain. And I have the option right then and there. They're going, Wow, so cool, thunder. And I go, yeah, really cool. Or just really quickly, I can say, Hey guys, look, do you see that lightning bolt over there? Yeah. God's in charge of that lightning bolt. God told that lightning bolt where to go. God, God is more powerful than all the thunder, and, and he decides when it rains and where, and, all, and they go, whoa, wow, really? And like, yeah, God's really cool. It was, it was short, it was simple, but it's just little things that can lay a foundation, right? It doesn't have to always be formal. Now, you may also be thinking, though, my schedule is so tight, it's, it's hard for me to find the time to do this. And that may be true, but I wonder, I mean, for our kids to know about God, maybe we need to examine our schedules a little bit and and reorganize some things and shuffle them around to make sure that they hear the truth. And and maybe, maybe your life is actually just jacked up crazy and your schedule is just nuts. And it's so, so crazy and I don't want to assume that I know everything about your life or your schedule. But... If time is really such a pressure, you can read a Bible story. You can sing a song or part of a hymn and pray together with your kid in 10 minutes. You can do that in 10 minutes. Surely you could find 10 minutes to do that. And you might say, well, what's 10 minutes going to do in the grand scheme of things? Well, 10 minutes is better than no minutes. At least it's something that we can do. And now while the command is clearly given to parents, parents are, are meant to have the primary teaching role, the primary uh, focus of discipleship for their kids. This command does have a broader application as well. So just in case you're sitting here and being like, well, I'm not a parent right now. haha, I'm off. No, you're not off the hook at all. This is, Psalm 78 is a song for the whole people of God. Everybody. And the church is involved in this, and we're going to help. We've got kids gathering, youth ministry, surge camp, those types of things. We're here to help. But everybody, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, family, friends, neighbors, siblings, whatever it is, we're all called to be involved in this, to do what we can to teach the next generation so that they would know the Lord in his ways. Because it matters. If we could grasp how much this matters, we could rally around families and help them. See, I think we get this when it comes to other types of education and other skills. So you graduate high school, you're getting ready for college or university, and your parents are probably hammering, you need to understand time management, and you need to understand money management skills if you're going to go off and be an adult now, right? Those are important things. Yes, they are. But how much more important is it for them to know God and what he's done through his son, to save them from sin and grant eternal life with him. There are a lot of really organized, smart money people out there that don't know Jesus. I'm not saying it's bad to be organized. I'm not saying it's bad to understand money. Right? But just saying perspective. At the end of the day, what is most important? And Psalm 78 is urging us to understand what's most important. What's most important is know the Lord and teach his ways. So that the coming generation can do the same thing and keep passing it on because one day you're going to be gone. Me too. One day I'm going to be gone. And there's kids in these classrooms. One day they're going to grow up and they're going to have kids of their own. What are those kids going to know? What are those kids going to be able to teach? We have, we have work to do. We have work to do. And now as we turn our attention back to verse 6 and down to verse 7, we're going to see that this diligent teaching that we're commanded to do is not education simply just to have head knowledge. There's actually an, an aim or a goal to all of this. and In fact, we might say that God has a great goal in all of this. Look at verse 6 and 7 again. It says that the next generation might know them. That's the, the, the commands, the laws, the ways of God the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Why? Verse 7. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. So they might hope in God. Or your, your translation might say they might put their confidence in God. Why tell of God's wonderful works? Why follow this clear command to teach diligently? so that future generations will set their hope in God. Not in money, not in pleasure, not in so-called societal progress or politics or school or friends or career or even family, but in God. That's the goal. That's the point. That's where he's driving at. Set their hope in God. I had a friend at camp who knew all the Bible answers. So much scripture memorized. It was, wow. But it was simply head knowledge. There was, there was no real love for God. He just knew it. And now, today, he's not actively serving the Lord or even really following the Lord. It's, it was just head knowledge. It hadn't got to the heart. See, God doesn't want Bible heads with just knowledge for knowledge's sake. God wants changed hearts, changed lives, that yes, know Him, but then love Him and trust Him. So do you want your kids, do you want your kids and your grandkids to love the Lord, to put their hope and trust in Him, to believe in Jesus and what He's done as we celebrate later on in the service? The forgiveness of God? Do you want your kids and your grandkids to to follow Him all of their days? I hope so. Psalm 78 says, teach. Teach. It's not a guarantee that because you teach that therefore they will all automatically then put their faith in Jesus. But they have a better chance if you teach than if you don't. Teach. And maybe you don't know everything about God. Teach what you do know. And and you can learn some more so that you can teach more and pray. Pray like crazy that they would put their trust in Christ and in Christ alone. It's summertime. For some of your parents you are freaking out because it's summertime. There's a great opportunity. Summer school, Bible school. Why not? Seize the extra hours that you have. There's lots of resources out there. I'll be happy to talk to you about some of those after. But we've got an opportunity. And you know what? This generation needs some help. I'm telling you because I'm part of this generation and, and, and I see what's, what's coming after. There's a lot of work to be done. A survey taken a number of years ago in the U.S. revealed that uh, over half of the teenagers could not name even one of the four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And in the multiple choice questions, some answered that the epistles were the wives of the apostles. That Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. And that Moses was the father of Jesus. Now, answers like these would be hilarious if they weren't pathetic. Right? We can chuckle a little bit, but then we've got to go, whoa, wait a minute. This is actually their answers. This current generation, they may not know much, but I'll tell you from working with them, they're asking lots of great questions they want to know what is true. They want to know what is real. So we have a great opportunity. Find ways to invest in young lives. Now verse 7 not only says that they, would, they should hope set their hope in God, but it also mentions that they would not forget the works of God. We are a forgetful people. That's why scripture has so many reminders. Remember this, remember this. Build an altar so you can remember. Remember. Um, Eat bread and and, and drink the cup so that you can remember, right? We need reminders. We're forgetful people. And when one generation forgets or forgets to pass on the knowledge, another generation can rise up that that doesn't even know at all. Uh, Listen to Judges chapter 2, verse 7 to 12. So we're talking about Joshua. So you had Moses, leader of Israel, and then Joshua comes after him. Verse 7 says, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And um, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. Now jump down to verse 10, it says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. In one generation, they didn't know the Lord. It says, a generation arose that did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. Why? Because another generation didn't tell them didn't pass on what they knew, what was true. The results were disastrous. They abandoned the Lord and served all sorts of other gods. And you know what? We are reliving this right now. I mean, read the book of Judges and just go, yeah, it is so applicable, so relevant today. This is what's happening. People just don't know. They don't know because they haven't been taught. And we can see the negative results all over in society. We don't have to look very far. And so the challenge, the push for us this morning is to not be like that generation in Judges 2 that that forgot to pass on the knowledge of God. And to recognize that this is on all of us, however old we are, whatever relationship we have with whoever, all of us, every believer in Jesus has a responsibility to pass on the truth. So let's be a church Let's be a church that individually and corporately commits to teach this coming generation, this current generation and following generations about our awesome God who has done wonderful things, who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Let's heed Asaph's call in Psalm 78 so that by God's grace, More people will put their hope in Him today and in generations to come. Let's pray together. Father God, we we come to you in humility because we know. That even if we diligently teach our children and grandchildren your ways, that unless your spirit moves, unless you move to touch hearts and, and grant faith, that could be in vain. So I pray, Lord, that we would be a praying people, that we, that we would seek you, that we would call upon you and your spirit's power to touch our lives, to give us a hunger and a motivation to know you, but then also a hunger and a motivation to teach, and that you would touch the lives of our children and our grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever it is. Would you work so that we would not be a generation like that described in Judges chapter 2. Help us to find ways and to find times to teach the current generation so that they could teach the next generation and the next generation. All for your glory. Pray this in Jesus' name.